It was the first Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. Today is Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. You say, how can that be? We all have known Palm Sunday to be a day of Jesus triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. We know it as a day when the crowd rejoiced and celebrated. We know it as a day when the king, riding on a donkey, entering into Jerusalem. We know it as the day of pomp and circumstance. In fact, we know it as the day when they all shouted, Hosanna, which means save now. But then there's another side to Palm Sunday, another side that we don't often think about. That other side of Palm Sunday is more relevant today on this Palm Sunday today than any other Palm Sunday in my lifetime or in your lifetime. This other side of Palm Sunday is about tears. It's about weeping. I know we were often told growing up, and I know this happens in many cultures, not just in the West, we often heard people say, big boys don't cry. Well, I hate to tell you, this big boy, your pastor, that saying does not apply to him. I am so grateful to the Lord that this saying also does not apply to our precious Lord Jesus Christ. This week, I also learned as I was reading that there is an absolute scientific proof of the benefits of crying and weeping. Medical science has concluded that tears are a very important release valve. Tears are are a release to our emotional stress. Uh, Tears uh, have good effect on the body and on the mind, that uh, just as the sweat and the sweating uh, on a hot day can cool the body, tears cool the heat of stress. So, it is not only me who's telling you it's okay to weep, it's okay to cry, medical science saying it's okay too. Especially during these times in which we are living in, these uncertain times, these uh, precarious times, these unprecedented times, and those times of difficulties and, and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. King David said it best in Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I know you're gathering around your computers and the television sets, but you can say that with me. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who created us, who created, He knows everything about us. He created the world. He created the universe. And He knows the importance of weeping. Whether it would be aloud or in silence. For the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ had done both. He wept silently and He sobbed loudly both of them. 
And in fact, both within a matter of days of each other. I'm going to explain this. Another Bible only tells us, or records, at least in the records, uh, twice that Jesus wept. But we don't know whether he had wept other times or not. We just know these are the two times recorded. I'm sure Jesus probably wept on other occasions. But the two times that I want to talk to you about happened within days of each other. Once he was choked up, and being choked up, he had tears streaming down his cheeks and wept silently. And he did this when he saw his friends, Mary and Martha, and the Jews who came with her to the tomb of Lazarus, her brother, when they were grieving and mourning over his death. The second time was Palm Sunday, a few days later. These two different times, we have two different Greek words for the weeping, the different kinds of weeping. One meant, as I said, Jesus just being choked up and then weeping in tears. The other indicates that he was sobbing, possibly uncontrollably. On Palm Sunday, he most likely sobbed over sin and the consequences of sin and the blindness to sin. I'm now wondering aloud if Jesus, not weeping today on this Palm Sunday, 2020. In John chapter 11, verse 33, 34, and 35, where the record of him going to Lazarus' tomb and raising him from the dead, he says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her, talking about Mary, weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the Spirit. Then it says, Jesus wept. I remember when I was a boy, we always used to have Bible quizzes, and always the question comes out, which is the shortest verse of the Bible? And I was always quick on that one. Jesus wept. I know that I often weep with my friends who've lost a loved ones at a funeral. I often weep in attitude of gratitude to the grace of God that is totally unmerited and undeserved, that's given to me freely from the hand of the Lord. I weep over sin, my sin. I'm often get overcome with shared feelings with others. Uh, uh, other times, uh, I, I see other people in deep agony and, 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 and just I have no words. I'm lost in words, so I just sit there with them and weep with them. When our Lord was deeply moved by Mary's sobbing, he first groaned in his spirit. No doubt he was indignant over sin. He was indignant over what the causes of sin, which is death and sorrow and pain and suffering. Now, beloved friends, I want to tell you, don't ever forget... Don't ever forget that our Lord Jesus Christ came from a, from a place called heaven. 
Where there is no sin, there is no sorrow, there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no hurt, there is no heartache. But it is sin, your sin and my sin, that brought him from that great place called heaven (laughs) so that he may redeem us from our sin, so that he may deliver us from the punishment of sin, so that he may take our punishment on his sinless holy body on the cross. And that is why when he saw his friends totally broken, over the loss. He was deeply moved. It is Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. It's Palm Sunday, but Jesus is weeping. Himirat, please, don't ever think that Jesus is not affected by what affects his beloved children. Don't ever think that Jesus is not moved by your pain, by your sorrow, and by your suffering. Don't ever think that Jesus is not involved in your pain, whatever pain you might be experiencing right now. Don't ever think that Jesus is only walking with you and is not weeping with you. He is. I remember reading a story about one of the Salvation Army workers. This man was a colleague of the founder of the Salvation Army. General William Booth, and he was so tired and so exhausted in the work, and he sees no fruit for his labor. He was so discouraged. He sent the cable to William Booth, and he said, tried everything, I quit. William Booth sent him a very short cable, and it read as follows, try Tears. Try tears. Booth understood that tears move the heart of God, that God is touched by our broken hearts, that God is touched by our hot tears. God's attention is given to those who are heartbroken. As the psalmist said in 56, 8, Psalm 56, verse 8, he said, God stores the tears of his beloved children. He stores them in a bottle. Not one of your tears falls to the ground that he had not taken notice of and stored it in a bottle. Hear me right. There is not one tear that he missed or has forgotten that ever came down your face. It's Palm Sunday. And Jesus is weeping. As parents and grandparents, we know experientially what that means. We we know how deeply we are moved when our children or grandchildren cry and weep about something. Now, in the Old Testament, there's an amazing incident, historic incident took place. There was a king by the name of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was about to die, and God said, get your affairs in order. And so the Bible said that Hezekiah turned to the wall, and he began to pray and weep and cry. And God responded to his tears in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5. 
God said, I have heard your prayers, and I have seen your tears. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. In Luke chapter 19, that was read by Johnny, it says, verse 41. If you find it, I hope that you have it and you follow with me. Verse 1941. Now he drew near, he drew near to the city, talking about Jerusalem, of course, and there he sobbed. That's really what the word means. I know I mentioned that was only a few days from the time he wept outside of Lazarus' tomb. Few days. He goes to Jerusalem from Bethany or Bethania, and there he weeps, this time uncontrollably, sobbing. It is Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. Oh, yeah, he's a king, all right. He's a king, all right. But his kingdom is not of this world. He's a king. He's a king of the hearts of his children. He's a king of repentant sinners. He's a king over all those who have surrendered their life to him as their only Lord and Savior. He is the king of everyone who trusted in him alone for their salvation. He is a king over everyone who looks at that cross and says, or bows a knee and say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my punishment on your holy body. Thank you for redeeming me from my sin and guilt. Thank you for setting me free from sin and Satan. Thank you for being my only Savior and Lord in my life. That's the kind of king Jesus is. That's the kind of king he was. It's the kind of, kind of king he is. And he's the kind of king who eternally will be over his kingdom, his children's rule over his, the hearts of his children. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. At Lazarus' tomb, he was weeping silently. His tears were streaming down his cheeks, but not on Palm Sunday, not on Palm Sunday. As I said, the Greek words, two different words here, but the Greek word that is used on the occasion of Palm Sunday is not the same word used at Lazarus' tomb. The word of crying on Palm Sunday is kleo. Kleo means deep sobs, uncontrollable sobs. I think most of you know what I'm talking about. It means loud, possibly wailing and groaning. It's the same word, by the way, that's used of Peter after denying the Lord, and he walked out, and he wept bitterly. Same word. But this was Palm Sunday. People were cheering. Children were singing. The crowd was celebrating. The city was in a carnival-like atmosphere. There were waving of palm branches. But Jesus was weeping. Why? Over their blindness to their sin, 
over their failing to recognize their Savior Messiah, of whom the whole Bible, their Bible, their Old Testament prophesied over their wanting a Messiah, a Savior that suits them, over them rejecting of God's only plan for salvation. Here's what he said in Luke 13, 34. He said that earlier. He said that earlier. Listen carefully. Talking to inhabitants of Jerusalem, because that's the epicenter. How often I wanted to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. My beloved friends, listen to me. Hear me right on this one because it's important. We do not weep over our sin anymore. In the 21st century church, we do not weep over sin. We actually take pride in sin. We parade sin. We take a, a pride parades for sin and celebrating sin. We sweep sin under the cup and say, well, everybody's doing it. We don't condemn sin anymore, whether it's a sin in our lives or a sin in the church. But if we view the cities the way the Lord views the cities, if we view the churches the way the Lord view the churches, we would weep too. Sadly, we've lost our tears. Oh, yeah, we get soggy and tearful when we watch an emotional movie. We even weep when our pet dies. But we don't weep over sin. Sin that put Jesus on that cross. The departure from biblical truth in many a church ought to make us weep. I just read today, just today, a new research, a new study, comprehensive study that says less than 6% of the American people do not have biblical worldviews. Can you believe that? It's Palm Sunday. But Jesus is weeping. Even the pagans know the value of weeping throughout history. I read not long ago, actually a number of years ago, that at the gateway of the famous Parthenon in ancient Athens stood there an altar that was dedicated to tears. There were no sacrifices offered on that altar. There were no offerings placed on that altar. It was simply a place where the distressed individuals wept over their woes. But, beloved, Jesus did not weep over his woes. He wept over our woes. Jesus was deeply grieving over the gravity of our sin and our blindness to sin. Jesus sobbed over their blindness to their sin and the desperate need that they were not aware of, of the Savior. And so he sobbed. But there's another reason why Jesus sobbed. 
He sobbed over their disastrous future. Their disastrous future. They were living for the moment. They couldn't think of the future. They were the, the, the consummate me generation. They were not thinking about the future, what the future is bringing. But being God of very God, who became man of very man, the Lord Jesus Christ knows the future, and make no mistake about it, only God knows the future. And because he knew the future, he predicted the future of Jerusalem, what is going to happen to it, and that is because he's aware of what's going to happen, what is going to take place, and therefore he wept over their future. And his prophecy was fulfilled merely less than 40 years later with meticulous details. In Luke 19.44, that was just read for us, it says, not one stone is going to be staying on top of the other. And sure enough, 70 A.D., the Romans came and raised the city of Jerusalem to the ground destroyed it completely. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Jesus is sobbing, knowing that probably 37, 38 years from now, it's going to, that, 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 that city is going to be totally destroyed. And he was sobbing over their future. I wonder if Jesus not sobbing over our lack of, of understanding of the times and the future judgment that is coming. No doubt his tears today would be over the blindness to sin, over the blindness of the future of those who have rejected his salvation, uh, over those who have modified or changed his gospel over those who watered down the message of salvation, over those who doubt the claims of Jesus, over those who take him along with many other gods in the journey of life, over those who made him equal to all these so-called founders of other religions. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. As you look around you and you see these global events are taking place, and I'm telling you, just take it from me, not in this proportion. I know history. Never a third of the world population is under quarantine. It's never happened in history before. As you look around and you see these global events that have been prophesied, global events that, as I said, never happened before global events. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, if we should not be weeping, just like Jesus, over those who are going to spend eternity in the torment of hell, where the fire will not die down and the worms will not die. Jesus, in words that express deep, deep, deep disappointment, he said to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he's saying to us, 
had you recognized the time you lived in, you would have repented and turned to me as your only Savior, Lord, Messiah, King. Question, what causes Jesus to sob like that? It's over the people who missed the opportunity, over the people who were so blinded that he could, they could not see the desperation over the people who could not heed his warning. Beloved, today we stand at a crossroads in every way. Trust me, in every way we stand at a crossroad. Will we wake up in time and change our priorities? May it be so, please, Lord. May it be so, please, Lord. May you wake us up in time, Lord. I don't have to tell you that the masses are always fickle. The masses are fickle. Having ministered in all continents, for that matter, but specifically in, the, in, in two or three major continents, I, I, I tell you, masses of people are fickle. They follow the trends. They go with the flow. They follow public opinion polls. Uh, they were up on one thing today, they're down on the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> what they love today, they hate tomorrow. The same was back then in the time of Jesus. They were saying, Hosanna on Palm Sunday. Five days later, they were saying, crucify him. Crucify him. People can praise you one day and damn you the next. They're fickle. It's Palm Sunday. And Jesus is weeping. Think about many moments in history when people missed opportunities. There are so many I won't have time to go through them, but I'll tell you one example. I always stuck in my mind when I, back in 1977, it's the first time I was exposed to this. In 1917, just think about this, 1917, when the Bolshevik Revolution was raging in the streets of Moscow, the Synod of the Russian Orthodox Church was meeting Oh, not to pray, no. Not to discern the times in which they were living, no. Not looking into the Word of God and say, what can we do? No, 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 no. The synod was debating the color of the vestments. This is the robes they wear. My beloved, we're no better than they are. I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying he's an example Let's not be like that. The coronavirus has changed our world and changed it permanently. Make no mistake about it. It's changed the world. The world as we know it is no longer going to exist. Uh, yet many people are feeding themselves on false hope. Uh, many people are oblivious uh, to uh, God's lo loving call, alarm bells, wake-up call, 
Many are just waiting to, oh, when things get back to normal, when things get back to normal, things will not get back to normal. Many are blinded by their own selfish political ambitions instead of caring for the people. Breaks my heart. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. Our precious Savior still weeps today. He weeps over those who have rejected Him as their only Savior and Lord, over those who have placed their hope in a church or a denomination, over those who have placed their faith and hope on a dead religion, whatever religion it may be, over those who are hoping that their philanthropy is going to save them. Oh, yes, it's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. He's also weeping over His children's sorrow. Those who love Jesus, whatever you're going through, whatever pain you're experiencing, whatever fear you're going through, whatever situation you're in, He's weeping in sympathy with you. He's weeping over the believer's broken hearts, over those who have experienced physical, emotional, or psychological pain. Oh, yes, He's there with you. And He is saying, had you known the times, had you discerned the seriousness of your visitation, had you realized the shortness of time, even today, even today, it was Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping. I want to conclude by good news. I always tell those who want good news all the time, I said, you don't know good news unless you know what the bad news is. And the bad news is judgment is coming. Sooner or later, judgment is coming. The bad news is that we who love Jesus, the children of the living God, suffer with the rest of the world. But here's the good news for the believers. Here's the good news for the believers. The very last time in the Bible, the word tears is mentioned. It's found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. The very last time you hear the word tears mentioned. This scene in heaven as described by John the Revelator, it's an amazing scene. It's an exciting scene. And every time I read it, I can't wait to be part of it. (laughs) Imagine that scenario in heaven that John saw with his own eyes, saw the future. And here's what he said in verse 4 of chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. God shall wipe away all of their tears. On this Palm Sunday, of all those who have placed their hope and trust totally, completely, fully, wholly upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they can rejoice. They can rejoice 
for he personally is going to wipe every one of our tears, every one of those tears that have been bottled in heaven. He's going to wipe away all of our sorrow, all of our pain, all of our suffering, all of our heartache. Beloved, that is truly the greatest hope that is worthy of the name on this Palm Sunday. He shall wipe away all our tears. Please listen to me. I'm coming close to the end. In your days of darkness and sorrow, in your days of disappointment and suffering, in your days of grief and even mourning, all of your tears are bottled up in heaven. Why? So that one day he will wipe them all away. He'll wipe them all away. David said it best. Let me repeat what I said earlier in the message. In Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget that all of Jesus' tears, all of his agony, all of his suffering, all of his agonizing days on earth gave way to Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Oh, yes, it might be Good Friday, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. God willing, I'll see you on Resurrection Sunday, albeit by streaming a week from today. I don't think I can include this message. I, I, I can't in my heart of hearts, knowing there are millions of people around the world who are watching this on Kingdom Sat. There are millions of people watching different outlets. And I cannot conclude this message without speaking to that person who is maybe curious about the Christian faith, maybe curious about Jesus, maybe have read something and, about Jesus and admires Jesus. That person who have been resisting the loving invitation and the loving call of Jesus to come to him, uh, those who know deep down that God has been calling them, has been using people in their lives to call them to come to him, to confess their sins, repent of their sins, receive his eternal forgiveness as a gift from his hand. That person who's reluctant to surrender his or her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this on the authority of God himself and his word. You will never, and I can tell you on the authority of the testimony of millions of believers, that God will never, that you will never know, you will never know more loving person than Jesus. You will never experience more kindness than will come from Jesus. You will never receive true and lasting forgiveness, everlasting forgiveness, as you receive from Jesus. And ultimately, whatever days we have on this earth, you'll never know perfect peace, deep peace, peace that doesn't make sense to the world, as you would receive when you come to Jesus. Come. 
Confess. Confess to him. He already knows. Confess to him. Repent. Come to him now before it's too late. There is such a thing as too late. When Jesus returns to the earth, it will be too late. The Word of God said, today, today is the day of salvation. Therefore, harden not your heart. I'm going to pray with you. And if you want to give your life to Christ, very simply, this is a gospel message. Jesus' message is simple. I know I'm a sinner. Deep down, I know when I'm all alone, I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. Jesus said, those who come with that confession, I save them eternally. So will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for giving us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for him leaving heaven, coming to earth, dying for us, rising again with power to demonstrate his victory over death. I pray for that person who may be reluctant and maybe um, unsure and maybe uncertain. This day be the day of their salvation. So they can say on Palm Sunday, I wept, but I wept the tears of joy of coming to Jesus Christ and receiving him as my Savior and Lord. And for those of us who love you, we trust you completely. Our very lives are in your hands. Our very breath is in your hands. Whether we live or die, we live for Christ, die in Christ. So, Father, I pray, give us that confidence to trust you even more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.